Connection believers do almost every facet of the service. They welcome people, they share the offering, and then they share the message. And so you missed a pretty good message the first service. Todd Fitzick shared in the first service. If you missed that and want to catch it up, you can go buy a CD back in the media resource room right here outside the door. You can go online later today and listen to it. But today, we get to this afternoon in this service. It's almost afternoon. It's 1130. We get to hear from a guy who's become a very good friend of mine. And uh, actually, he's just taken over my connection group that I used to lead for. I don't know, almost 10 years now I've led this group. And um, he's, I, I, I love him. He's, he's become a very, very good friend, and I love him dearly. And with no further ado, I'm going to ask for Sean Bear uh, to come. He leads a home group on Robinson Road on Sunday nights at 6 o'clock at the home of Keith and Sarah Woods', the home of Keith and Sarah Woods house, I was going to say. Um, but if you would, make Sean welcome this morning. He's kind, of, he's kind of a big fella. He knows some stuff. He happens to be the administrative sergeant of the Circleville Police Department, so I would not mess with him if I were you. Without any further ado, Mr. Sean Bear. Well, I don't know, uh, I don't know about the, the whole messing with me thing. I think uh, I've certainly become more passive over the years. That's probably a good thing, or at least you can ask Angie, my wife. Um, I kind of, uh, over the last several weeks, have really fought over what I'm going to uh, talk about today. And uh, I know what God put on my heart, and for some reason in my mind, I, you start having a battle of, I don't really know if that's what it is, and you know, maybe that uh, doesn't make sense, maybe it's controversial, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And the ironic thing about what I'm, uh, I'm going to talk about today has simply to do with being obedient to God, and... Uh, Understanding that uh, Jesus is a warrior, and I think all too often we forget that what we're following is we're following a warrior. We've already won. I mean, there's no doubt about it. We've already won. And I know what I'm supposed to speak about today, and I know it's right. I know we've already won, but even sitting back there, you keep having these little fights and doubts and things like that. And I'm a pretty, uh, I'm a pretty straightforward guy. If I believe it's right, it's right, and I'll go to the ends of the earth to do the right thing. Um, ethics is paramount to me um, to make positively sure that regardless of public opinion or regardless of consequences, to do the right thing uh, has to be done at all times. Uh, now, it does make it more difficult because my world is black and white. There's no gray in it at all. And sometimes that causes me problems because it's, uh, it's very difficult for me to see uh, gray. Uh, however, uh, I guess this is where I'm at with this is uh, the, uh, the black and white. And I kind of had uh, something come to my mind that my dad used to tell me when I was a kid that um, the, uh, the hard decision is generally the right decision. And uh, I've come to live by that. And it seems like uh, most decisions are the hard decision. Uh, so um, I guess uh, I'd like to start with prayer. So uh, we all bow our heads. Lord, I ask that... Uh, you give me the words, and you help me understand what needs to be said. Everyone is here to listen to what you have to say, not what I have to say. And I ask that there not be a single and or the or anything of me, but it all be of you. And Lord, I ask that what you're giving us today for each person here is able to do something in their life. And I ask that by me giving this, it does something in mine. Lord, we ask this in your name. Amen. Well, uh, let's see if this works. All right. I figured that'd be the, I'm past the first hurdle now. I feel pretty good. <laughs> um, yeah, now's where I should just have Angie come up and pray and I could go sit down to be. Um, Jesus is definitely a warrior, and as I thought more about this, I've been around a lot of uh, really tough, high-octane guys, and I'll be the first to tell you I'm kind of a high-octane kind of guy. There's, uh, I don't really have a first or second or third or fourth gear. I mean, I'm, I'm on all, you know, all the time on those kind of things. 
Um, I'm a command supervisor at the police department, and uh, that requires a lot of times decision-making and things that are, are in a high-stress, very chaotic situation. And I, and I kind of related to when I thought of Jesus. Uh, I relate to those kind of guys. I like those kind of guys that everything in the world could be going crazy and there'd be pure chaos, and somehow, some way, they come up with the logical thing that solves everything. And uh, as I thought about that, um, I thought about a lot of things I've been involved in over the years, uh, and a lot of the different, uh, the different thoughts I had uh, coming up through the ranks and from a young officer to, to now. And, uh, you know, you go from a time where it's cool to wear the Batman utility belt and all the toys and, you know, driving fast and just hoping somebody would run from you so you could chase them in a car. <laughs> <laughs> Now I think I look at things a little bit differently because I'm thinking about, okay, when I chase, there is a chance of there being collateral damage in the public. Someone could get hurt. There could be lawsuits. And now I'm the guy that cancels the pursuit that the young guy hates, where at one time I was the young guy trying to find a way that the sergeant wouldn't know I was on a pursuit so he couldn't cancel it. Um, <clears throat> and I kind of thought in that whole thing, uh, you know, where does Jesus fall? I, I think Jesus would definitely be that kind of guy who's in the middle of the action, all the chaos going on. And uh, I can see him as being one of the high-octane, pumped guys. I mean, you don't do what he did in his ministry in the amount of time he did it by not having drive. I mean, serious, serious drive. And, um, yeah, I know he's the son of God, but he was also man. And so, therefore, to me, that, that makes me realize that much more how difficult the task was for him at hand, and yet he still was able to achieve it. And sometimes you look at it as you read the Bible, and it seems like it was easy, but I'm sure it wasn't. But you can only put so much in words, in a story, and in paper. Um, I think that comes down to a lot of times Aaron likes to use multimedia. I like that myself. A lot of the classes I've been to use is multimedia because it incorporates all your senses into it. And when you're just reading something, sometimes you don't see all those. Even with just watching it, you don't smell the smells and you don't fully realize everything going on at the time. I mean, I'm sure that when you think about it and the environment he was in in the Bible, I wonder how often Jesus was really hot and uncomfortable. I mean, we hop in the... From the time to leave the building to the time to get in the car, I'm not real comf. I don't like the, the heat out there when it's real hot. You know, here he's out in the middle of a desert, but you really don't read that between the lines. You don't fully realize how difficult it probably was just physically on him. Um, <clears throat> so I had always kind of had the problem of uh, surrender. Uh, for years, I, I really had, uh, had that problem of... Uh, I'm not really a surrender kind of guy. I'm, uh, that's not something I'm real confident in. My whole life was spent uh, thinking the, the, the processes of uh, if you lose on a call, you don't go home to your family. Losing is never an option, ever. And then uh, I come to this guy that says surrender to me. That was a hurdle for me. It was a huge hurdle until I realized what he was saying. And I honestly didn't recognize that until probably the last year or so. Um, <clears throat> when we're the weakest, he's the strongest. I'm a tactical-minded guy. As long as I win, that's the end goal is what matters. As long as I win. If I have to be weak for him to be strong, and he has much more strength than I'll ever think about, if I have to be weak for him to be strong and it means I'm going to win, then it would be foolish to not do what has to be done to win. Because winning is, well, I shouldn't say that, but to me, winning is everything. I'm competitive. If we decide we're going to do something in the middle of the floor, it doesn't matter what it is. If we're going to flip paper clips. I'm going to be the guy shoulder-checking somebody next to me. <laughs> <clears throat> but that's just me. So, uh, <clears throat> but with that same... Uh, with that same thought process, um, I had to realize that uh, you do have to lay down visually. I had, to, I had to realize that I needed to lay down my sword. I needed to lay my weapons before God. I had to lay it all down so that he was able 
to do what he has to do for me to win. I can keep them and I can look tough and I can fight the battle. And at the end, I can hand my sword over to the enemy because he'll surely take it from me. Or I can hand it over to God. I can lay it before him. And the part that I didn't understand was by me surrendering, by me going ahead and accepting my weakness, Jesus hands it right back to me and says, you're still gonna fight. You're just gonna fight for me now. And I like the thought process of that because I want a part of the game. I wanna be part of the win. I wanna be part of the mission. And uh, to understand that took a lot for me because I thought it just had to do with you surrender and you walk around and you're just happy and throw flowers. And that's just not me. So, and I'm just not, it's not me and God didn't build me that way. But I do want Jesus to be able to look down and say, church triumphant, that's my warriors. That's the guys that are gonna hold the lines. No one passes that church. If Satan was gonna take that church, he should have done it 100 years ago because he can't have it now. And so that's what I want to be part of. I want to be part of uh, when uh, Pastor Eric was battling his illness and we had all the men down the sides of this church standing here holding flags. That's what I want to be part of. Because that's an amazing sight. I mean, you know there's a lot of power in that. I mean, that was a night where I don't know who would want to, but I don't think anybody wanted to mess with anybody that night. That was a... Nobody was going to take anything. The devil wasn't invading anyone's thoughts that night. He just wasn't allowed in. Um, so, nonetheless, uh, Jesus is a definite, uh, definite warrior. So, now I shut it back off. Turn it back on. Are you a warrior? I think that uh, you have to ask yourself, are you going to be a warrior? I know I definitely want to be a warrior for him. That doesn't mean I got to be perfect. And I don't have to win every battle because I will lose some of them. And it's unfortunate, but that's, you have to be realistic if you're going to be able to win. But I'm not going to win all of them. But the nice thing about it is I know that I get to win the war. I don't have to question that. I mean, the art of comp- or the, the thing about competition when you get into things is uh, that drive to win, that drive to be successful. But uh, I guess it's kind of cool when you know that uh, you get a win. I mean, you don't have that unknown part. I mean, imagine showing up to the Super Bowl and kind of like, well, we're going to do this thing, but we already know what happens. I got my ring. You know, that would be cool. So I got a question here that uh, if a burglar was at your home, would you stop him before he got in the yard? If you're looking at this, and this is the, from the point of view of the burglar. Would you stop him here? Maybe here. Let him get up to the window. I don't know, what about here? Maybe let him come on in. Or what about here? What if you find the burglar that's sitting in your house? I mean, at what point in time do you decide that... Uh, you're going to stop him. I don't think things are uh, really any different about Satan. We have to decide at what point in time we're going to stop him. And here recently, I've just really been kind of uh, dealing with this in my mind and in my thoughts. And um, are you prepared to basically pick a fight with evil? I'm not letting him into my house. I'm not letting a burglar into my house. I'm not allowing him into my house. Jesus told me I didn't have to. Jesus gave me the strength and the authority. He doesn't have a right to come in. He's trespassing. So, you think about, well, how much strength do you have in these areas? Go find a mother out here somewhere in the sanctuary. Grab her kids and run off and see what she's capable of. We have way more strength and authority than what we give ourselves credit for. We can do a lot of things. We just have to decide we're going to do it. 
God already decided for us that we can do it. But can and will are two different things. And I've kind of come to the conclusion that uh, I will be victorious. He's not gonna mess with me. He's not gonna bother me anymore. He's gonna cower when he sees me because he's gonna know that God's inside me. <clears throat> Could you imagine knowing that that mom, when she sees you take her kids, what she's gonna do to you? Can you imagine how fierce God is when the enemy messes with one of his kids? Now that's, if you don't have power in something, you need to think about that because there's a lot of power in that. There's a lot of power in that sentence. It almost makes me feel like I want to be a little bit of a bully, be a little bit arrogant. Kind of let the devil know, come on. I'm waiting on you. Be that kid that draws it and says, cross this line right here. Second Corinthians 10, one through six. By the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold when away. I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by standards of this world. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. Uh, what's the significance of that? I mean, I, I'm sure most people probably read that. It seems like it's one of the more common, more popular passages to read. But without really dissecting it as a, any kind of scholarly way, but I guess to dissect it the Sean way, um, I kind of looked at it, and, uh, you know, we're all battered at times and beat up. I mean, look at Paul. That's kind of a uh, in-your-face kind of guy. I mean, he believed what he believed, and there wasn't anybody going to change him. I think he was a black-and-white kind of guy. Paul and I can hang out. I can understand Paul. Um, but even he had people questioning and doubting him. I mean, can you imagine that? We think about how cool would it be to have Paul here today to talk to. And people in his time had people, you know, they, they questioned him. They, they didn't really see what they had in front of them. If Paul had that, we're going to have it. I mean, I hope I'm not too arrogant to think that I'm not going to have to put up with those kind of things. I, I'm certainly not a Paul. If he had to put up with it, I guess I'm going to also. But I like how Paul looked at earthly battles as just that. They are battles. I don't think God called Christians to be timid. I mean, I, I think that <clears throat> as I look out, I see the elite. I see the special forces here. I see people that are, when they leave here, they're not going to take it. They're not going to accept it. They're not going to compromise. If the devil wants to come take something from me, he better take it because I'm not giving it to him. In this war, Christians aren't non-combatants. We're not sitting on the sidelines and we're not collateral damage. We're on the front lines. And you know, this battle's a pretty tough battle because the lines aren't clearly drawn. There are no front lines. Everything's intermingled. The fight's bad and the fight's dirty. And unfortunately, sometimes, because we don't do what we're supposed to and we don't fight hard enough, we lose people. And I don't think that anybody wants to lose the brother that's shoulder to shoulder with them or the sister that's shoulder to shoulder with them. It's just not acceptable. <clears throat> so, I'm talking about all the fighting and things like that. Should we go to the weapons store? Because every good warrior likes weapons, and I like toys too. So yes, let's go to the weapons store. As often as we can, we need to arm ourselves with as much weaponry as possible. I want to be that guy that looks like the Army-Navy catalog, carrying stuff everywhere, almost falling down. But what are our weapons? We need to drop to our knees 
And we need to pray because that's the powerful weapon. And we need to read the Bible because the answers are there. That's how we find out how to fight. If you don't want to use the weapon you want to, if you want to be the guy standing there with some other weapon, then you're not going to win. And if you're not a winner, you're a loser. And this isn't the kind of fight that we're going to lose. So you need to use the weapons that are appropriate for the war. You need to use the weapons that will win in that battle. You need to pick up the weapons that God told you to pick up. Because we follow orders. We may not know what weapon's going to win the battle, but he does. So we're going to pick up the weapons that he told us to pick up. We're going to use those weapons, and we're going to be victorious. Second Corinthians uh, 10, 3, and 4. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the, of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Divine power to demolish strongholds. Now that gets me pumped because I like going on raids and I like busting people's doors down. That gets me all going. So... If I'm thinking to myself that Satan's got him a nice little house, he's sitting in there watching TV, relaxing, thinking he's all safe. All of a sudden, here comes the big truck with me and my brothers and sisters in Christ pulling up, get ready to wreak some havoc, wake the neighborhood up. That makes me happy. Second Corinthians 10, five through six. We demolish arguments and every pretension that it sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. We take captive The devil's not sitting in a house, eating a TV dinner, watching TV. He's in your mind, and he's working, and he's working overtime, and he doesn't take days off. He doesn't relax. He doesn't quit. He's there all the time. When you're sitting in the back of the church going, this isn't the kind of message God probably wants. I mean, it can't be. He's there. The devil's there, and he's the one talking to you. And I think you got to get tuned into God to the point where you just don't hear the devil anymore. And I'm not there yet. I want to be there, but I'm not there yet. But I've taken a definite decision that he's not bullying me anymore. I'm not going to walk around as a victim. I'm not going to walk around constantly thinking to myself, oh, woe is me. Life is hard. Look at all the bad things that happened to me. Look at all this. Look at all that. I sure wish that I had it as good as that guy. I'm just not going to do that anymore. I've had uh, here recently, it seemed like all kinds of crazy things kind of going wrong. None of them were substantial. At the time, I guarantee you they was. If you called me, I would have told you that. But now, looking back, they weren't. And the defining point after the car broke down and the stove broke down and the dishwasher broke down and Stuff happens at work and this and that. The defining point was when my neighbor decided that he was going to make a big decision that could cost me probably ten dollars or $15,000. And I, and I stewed on it for about a day, maybe two. <laughs> and I was torqued. And I fall back to the original Sean. I just can't help it. That's me. And that's what I have to work with. But I didn't have any religious good thoughts about how I was going to deal with this problem. <clears throat> I was angry. But, I, you know, fortunately, I know the high revised code, and so therefore I didn't do anything. <clears throat> but I was pretty torqued off. And I just kind of thought to myself, and I don't think it was me, obviously God was talking to me, but I, I just started going through my mind and I thought, worst case scenario, what's going to happen? Worst case scenario, what's going to happen? God's going to find ten or $15,000 for me. 
I mean, that's the worst case scenario. Think about it. So what makes a difference? If I wasted two days talking about something, I could have done two days of God's work. If I have the time to be upset, I got the time to do something better. So I'm not going to let myself get into that trap. It's not happening. I'm going to have the little battles that I'm going to lose, and I'm going to fall short. But I'm going to do everything that I can to keep my eye on the prize. We have a saying at the police department, and mainly with the SWAT team, that I live by. We take real estate. We never back down. If a doper's got a house, he's in my house, I'm about to take it from him. We take real estate. I'm about to take some real estate. I'm not going to put up with it anymore. I'm not going to back down anymore. It's just not happening. So that was a weird moment. And, and Aaron asked me a, a couple times through that, how you doing? Is it all right? And a couple times, I think devil was telling me, he's like, if the pastor's asking you, it's got to be bad. Because <laughs> I really didn't feel that bad at that time. I just was kind of like, yeah, it's all right. Uh, we'll kind of make it through. You know, how's your week been? It just wasn't that big of a deal to me. And as I was getting ready for this, God kept talking to me about that. He kept talking about, let's get our people not ready for the fight, but into the fight. The fight's here. We can't get ready for it. It's here. Let's get in it. Let's mix it up. Let's look at the devil and say, bring it. <clears throat> it's important, I think, that we realize that. It's important that we know that we're shoulder to shoulder. Paul, uh, Paul uses military terminology to describe uh, this warfare against sin and Satan. He describes military obedience and chain of command. I think sometimes if you think of it that way, God, there's your commander-in-chief. You got your marching orders. He's told us what to do. We just got to do it. Talk is cheap. Let's not talk about it. So uh, let's go be a bully. I mean, I'm not, I'm not good about being a bully, but if it comes to saying, I'll be a bully. <clears throat> I got a, uh, I got a uh, little video I'm going to show you here. And uh, this is kind of one of those ones that uh, I've seen this over the years, and I bet a lot of people have kind of seen it. But if you would, do this for me. Watch it with an open mind. I want you to think of a couple things. When I was trying to figure out what I was going to talk about, and the devil was fighting with me so heavy, he really does talk to me with a, with a bullhorn. I asked him one time at a, where I was really low, and I just was like, you got to start talking where I can hear you, because I can't hear you. And... You're powerful. I'm not even asking you to meet me halfway. I'm asking you to come down here and pick me up because I can't get to you. And if you love me, you'll come get me. I know you will. I just got to ask, and I'm asking. When you talk to me, please, let me hear you. It's my shortcomings, but I need to hear you. So you know my shortcomings. You made me. So help me out here. Make sure I hear you. And I can honestly say for the most part since that day, he talks to me with a bullhorn, sometimes too loud. <laughs> and on this one here, I was sitting back there, and uh, Mickey Robinson was here, and I was thinking, you don't talk to the church about violence and beating people up and telling the devil to bring it. That's crazy talk. But the devil fought really heavy with me that day, and I'm glad to say that because of God, I was able to walk out of that battle, and it's one of the battles I was able to win. As I sat back there and Mickey was talking, I prayed to God. I said, God, I'm supposed to get up here and talk in front of everyone. And I'll be honest, getting in front of people don't bother me. But getting in front of people and not knowing what to say, that bothers me. <clears throat> I needed to know what to say. And for some reason, God kept talking to me about fighting and 
and violence. My life's got its share of violence in it from other crazy people that we got to go try to bring the, the peace to chaos. And uh, I thought, you know, this has got to be Sean. It's got to be Sean. Uh, why would God want me to talk about violence? So I prayed to him, God, just give me a little tiny sign to let me know I'm on the right track. And at that time, Mickey Robinson goes, the violence of God's love. So I was like, okay, guess I did hear you. So as I was leaving, and I was in the car going home, I was thinking to myself, I am going to bring it to the devil. I'm not taking it anymore. And I really, really was determined. And then this weird thought came into my mind. Oh, you're tough. What if something happened to your kids? I just got hit in the one area that I didn't have armor on. I mean, I, I can take a lot. That doesn't bother me. But I'll be honest, I don't deal very well when my wife or my kids are hurt. I'm just, I'm, I'm way too weak in that area. It drops me to my knees. It shuts down my life. It shuts down everything. It shuts down my ability to be offensive. It shuts down my ability to fight. It turns me off. So the rest of the day, I kind of, I don't know. I just was, I wasn't there. He turned my fight off. And then that night, I had a dream. I had a dream that one of my kids was missing, and it was a very real dream. And I was going through the motions of all the things we do when we have an Amber Alert, we have a child missing, and I was going through all that. I, I know the, the, the drill. I know what to do. And for some reason, in this weird dream, I found myself standing on a dock, and all of my fellow brother officers was near me. And without saying they're a rough and tumble group, they're not exactly touchy-feely kind of guys. And I knew I had to drop to my knees to get my kid back. I was doing everything I possibly could that my training showed me to find my child, and it was unsuccessful. The last thing that I thought to do was the first thing that I should have done. But I stood there fighting with myself because how on earth can I drop to my knees and surrender and submit and show weakness to guys that expect me to have their back in the most dangerous times? How am I going to do that in front of them? Shame on me for not. So I dropped to my knees and I realized at that point in time, they don't need me getting their back in a bar fight. I can't make sure they're safe. But if they don't walk out of that bar, where are they going to go? At one time, if they would have seen me show them one spark of light, it really doesn't much matter if we don't walk out of that bar now, does it? So... As you watch this video, I want you to think of the camaraderie of guys shoulder to shoulder in the worst of times. Shoulder to shoulder when they're not going to make it out. You watch it, you look at it, you tell me. They're not going to make it out. They're not going to survive. There's no chance they're going to win, let alone go home. It is over. Think of that and compare that to our fight. The country's got problems. The church has got problems. The world has got problems. The military's got problems. Everybody's got problems. How are we going to make it out? I mean, we're not going to win this one, right? There's no way on earth. It's just too large against us. There's no way to win this battle. Just keep that in mind and watch this video and we'll uh, talk for a minute afterwards. We've got to hold this place. We've got to hold it. Well, all right. I place you here. Put your colors here. I set your regiment to the left of this line. The rest of the brigade will form on your right. Understood? Yes, Ellis, this is the point. Yes, sir. Now, your regiment is to the left at this point. Colonel, sir, you're the end of the line. Yes. You are the extreme left of the Union Army. Understood? 
The line runs all the way from here back to Cemetery Hill. But it ends here. Understood. You cannot withdraw under any condition. If you go, this line will be flanked. If you go, the enemy will sweep up over the hillside and take this entire army from the rear. You must defend this place to the last. Yes, sir. Gentlemen, the 83rd Pennsylvania, 44th New York, and 16th Michigan will be moving into our right. But if you will look to our left, you will see that there is no one there. Because we're the end of the line. The Union Army stops here. We are the flank. You understand, gentlemen, we cannot retreat. We cannot withdraw. We are going to have to be stubborn today. The Reb Army is going to swing around. It's going to come up through that notch right over there. And move under the cover of trees, try to get around the flank. And gentlemen, we are the flank. God go with you. Head and shoulder wounds. They didn't hit the left. Didn't hit at all. Wait a minute. I think they're moving out that way. Can you see them, sir? They're coming again, boys. They're coming again. Colonel, look there. Regiments arrived. It's moving against the left. Yeah. Yes, sir. There. Do you see that? Yeah. I don't think we're going to be able to hold another one. Get all the company commanders up here on the double. On the double. Sergeant Owen. Sergeant Owen. Yes, sir. Get up to the top of that hill. Department of situation from up there. Oh, yes, sir. is badly wounded. Yes, sir. Got hit a few minutes after the fight started. We've been reinforced at the top of the hill by Weed Brigade up front. This is what they tell me. But Weed is dead. And so they moved Hazlitt's battery, that artillery up there. But Hazlitt's dead. And as far as I can tell... Is there any way you can get ammunition from up there? I don't know, sir. Everything's a mess. But they're holding good. The Rebs are having a hard time coming up that hill. It's a steep hill. Well, so we're going to need the ammunition. Colonel, sir. Third of my men are wounded. If the Rebs come up that hill any stronger, sir... I don't think we can stop them. Send out word to take uh, ammunition from the wounded. Make every round count. Go. Here they come again. Ready, boys? Hey. 
Half my men down. Most of the rest are wounded. The left is too thin, sir. I always fixed your ammunition. It's almost gone. Sir, we're running out. We don't have much left to shoot with. Some of the boys got nothing at all. Sir, sir, what do we do for ammunition? Sir, my boys have grab muskets and they're back with them. Sir, we ought to pull out. No, we can't do that. We can't hold them again, sir. You know that. Well, if we don't, they go on by and over the hill and the whole flank caves in. Sir, here they come. can't run away. If we stay here, we can't shoot. So let's fix bayonets. We'll have the advantage of moving down the hill. They gotta be tired, the revs. They gotta be close to the end if we are. So fix bayonets. Ellis, wait, Ellis, you take the left wing, I'll take the right. I want a right wheel forward of the whole regiment. What, you mean charge? Yes, but here's what we do. We're going to charge swinging down the hill. Just like we pulled back to this left side of the regiment, now we're going to swing it down. We swing like a door. We're going to sweep them down the hill just as they come up. Understand? Does everybody understand? Yes, yes sir. sir. Okay, Ellis, you take the left wing, and when I give the command, I want the whole regiment to go forward, swinging down to the right. All right, sir. Fine. Move. Hey, Halfway through that, who thought it would end that way? At the point in time they had no ammunition, who thought they would attack? We have plenty of ammunition. Our ranks are strong. I don't want to be flanked by the enemy. That's a, uh, a true story about Colonel Chamberlain at uh, the Battle of Little Round Top during Gettysburg. It's the 20th uh, Maine Infantry. Before he joined the war, he had spent time as a uh, college professor. You may not be a warrior in your mind, but you've been called to be a warrior by God, period. You don't have a choice to not be in the fight. Just like all those guys on that line, I'm sure they wanted to be somewhere else, but they were in the fight and they had a commander to listen to. And you're in the fight and you have a commander to listen to. If you're looking at weapons and things, what to fight with, I looked at the armor of God. The weapons that God give you are all protective defensive weapons, except for one. He gave you a sword. He gave you the sword of the Spirit. And you know, a sword 
isn't any good if it's a butter knife. A sword's got to be sharp. And the only way you hone a sword is through patience and time and work. You willing to put in the patience, time, and work of studying the scriptures? Because that is what sharpens your sword. When the enemy comes and you want to fight him off, you got to have a sharp sword. I keep my guns in perfect condition. I keep my gear in perfect condition. I require my guys to keep their weapons in perfect condition. I page the guys out on occasion on a SWAT raid that doesn't exist just so that I hone their skills constantly. I don't care if we're a small city or not. If they get killed, they're still dead. It doesn't matter where you're at in your walk. One time I had something in my life that I thought I couldn't recover from. It had to do with one of my kids. I wasn't doing anything inside the body. I can tell you, I showed up to church and I went home and I believed. But I was on the sidelines for sure. And I talked to Aaron at that time because I was trying to find a way to work through this problem because I was very angry. And I don't know about you guys, but when you're really angry about something, you don't have anyone to take it out on and you don't have anyone to do anything to, it's worse because it just keeps on welling up inside. You feel more helpless. And I was angry. I was more angry than any time in my entire life because I didn't know what to do. Especially when a little child has something happen to them that's wrong. Kids can't defend themselves. And, you know, you go through all the classic, you know, what kind of world does something to a little kid and all that kind of stuff. But I talked to Aaron, and Aaron said something to me. I said, you know, I don't know why. I'm insignificant in all this. I'm not doing anything to battle the devil hot and heavy. I'm, not, I'm just not doing anything. I'm just a Christian. I'm just a Christian. Are you just a Christian? I'm just a Christian. And Aaron told me on the telephone when I was talking to him about that, did you ever think that someone had to raise Billy Graham? And in a split second, my priorities realigned. In a split second, my life changed. Because that one small sentence told me this. I don't know how to raise a Billy Graham. God does, but I don't. Because I'm just a Christian. So I chose to be more than just a Christian. And the road's been long, and God keeps on shoving me. Hopefully after today, I've achieved his pinnacle, and I won't have to do anything real publicly anymore. Because <laughs> every time I get in my comfort zone, he keeps on giving me a shoulder check, and smart guy doesn't shoulder check Jesus back, you know? You know, in closing, Brian said something yesterday at the men's breakfast. I'm going to mess the numbers all up, and if I do, Brian will have to correct me. But there's 65 million Christians that are registered to vote. Shame on us for complaining how the country isn't going the way we want. If 65 million Christians decided to do what God told them to do and were obedient and took the fight wherever it needed to go, whether it's the front lines in some field at Gettysburg or it's the steps of the White House, wherever the fight needs to go is where we go. God has a moving army. Are we 65 million just Christians? Are we 65 million warriors? Are we 65 million people that the enemy says, let's go somewhere else and wreak a little havoc? I don't really want to mess with them. They're kind of crazy. That's what I want. 
I want to be shoulder to shoulder on the lines when it all looks crazy and I know my commander Jesus doesn't give up. We are the end line. We are the flank. We got to be stubborn today. It stops here. And we can say there's not 65 million people in this church, but there could be. But there's 65 million people in the body. And if everyone thinks that they can't do it because they're one and they're insignificant, then we're missing the boat. So what I want to ask is, uh, I guess for praise and worship team to come up and the home group leaders, I'm going to ask everybody in here one question. One question alone. I believe with all my heart, this is Sean asking the question. You're going to hear my voice. I fought with this a lot. Because you don't know the response, what it's going to be. So you fight. Your human side fights. <clears throat> but I believe with all my heart that the question I'm about to ask you, you'll hear my voice, but it's God asking you straight to your heart. If you are one of God's warriors, if you're willing to take it to the devil, if you're willing to say, I'm standing here, Satan, if you want me, you come get me. I'm not an easy prize. I will take you. Bring it. And I'm not saying if you say that everything's going to be fine. I don't know. Maybe he'll turn the heat up on you. But are you a warrior? Because the guys that I've stood shoulder to shoulder with in the worst of times were their best. At our weakest, God is the strongest. In essence, you are the strongest when you're the weakest. If God's inside you. What I'm asking is, are you willing to come up here and publicly lay down your sword so God can give it back to you? Are you willing to come up here and stand shoulder to shoulder with me, stand on this line, protect this flank, and say enough's enough? I'm not going to have these feelings anymore. I'm not going to be a victim anymore. I'm not a victim. I'm a conqueror. We'll take a few moments. Patrick will play something. We'll have home group leaders that can pray with you. Don't go home being just a Christian. Come up here and exchange your sword for one that God wants to give you. And then take the fight to the devil. God has faith in each and every one of you. He just wants you to have faith in yourself. So take a few moments here.